Welcome to Adaptation, the podcast that dives into all things self-optimization and self-discovery, helping you be your best inside and out. I'm your host, Steve Katazi, and today we're covering the fascinating subject of how to improve your sport performance, optimize your body function, and improve your quality of life with our regular guest, Bryn Jenkins. Now, this episode is so cool for a couple of reasons. Firstly, Bryn gives us the inside scoop on the guys at Mind Pump, their studio and their operations, as he trekked over to San Jose, California to meet these guys and take a world-class strength and conditioning course. And as huge fans of these guys, we got pretty animated and it's great just to see what leading fantastic podcasts are doing and how they put it all together. Secondly, and most importantly, Bryn was getting trained by the one and only pro strength and conditioning coach, Joe DeFranco and his world-renowned team on how to improve sport performance and function. And he shares everything he learned, all the key principles that he picked up from those two days on this podcast. This is incredible value, so make sure you listen in. And look, it's not too often you get the chance to get this level of access into a world-class mind on how to make athletes great, how to improve your game, whatever your game. And to be honest, for me, very much a non-athlete, there was so much for me to consider and use in my own endeavors of being strong, muscular, functional, and healthy from this chat. What I loved most about this chat with Bryn was that he'd literally just come back from the States. We were recording this a couple of days after he landed back in the UK. So the information was still super fresh. But the reality is to retain and own the information that you learn and convert it into knowledge, the best way to do that is to teach it. And this was Bryn's chance to explore his new knowledge and get it across in an accessible and applicable way, especially over the podcast where you don't get to see us and he can't show you some of the things that are quite practical. I think he's done an amazing job and I think you'll agree. So what do we cover? Well, do check out the full show notes within the podcast app, but as a quick overview, we cover things such as, of course, Bryn's exciting visit to the Mind Pump facility. We talk about Joe DeFranco's shit, suck, good and great model of capability. The importance of breathing to unlock your full potential on the field, the gym and in life. We cover the value of a solid movement assessment and how to identify mobility versus stability issues, the role of fascia, the benefits of accommodating resistance, such as bands and chains. We speak about concentric versus eccentric portions of the lift and how to positively focus on both. We ask the question, what is power and how to increase it? We dig into how sports specific should you get in your gym sessions to help athletes, how to improve your speed, and a bunch of other stuff too. I'm pretty sure you'll take a bunch of things away from this chat, whether you're an aspiring athlete or an average Joe like myself that just wants more out of the gym and life. And if you've got any questions, as always, feel free to get hold of us through the adaptnation.io website or via Facebook or Instagram. So let's get into it. How to improve sport performance and body function with our regular guest, Bryn Jenkins. So you know I've had um, 
Adam and Sal from Mind Pump on the podcast previously. Yeah. And they were great guests and I, I love listening to their podcast. Um, I actually spoke to them maybe about a year ago and they, they were hosting like an annual podcasting event for like, you know, industry insiders. And at some point I thought I was going to be going to one of those. And I was going to head over to San Jose, check them out, see what's mm. going on in their studios, but never arranged it. Well, in the interim, you, Bryn, managed to get over there, Stop right? Over and a there. bit of a kind of spur of the moment decision to talk to me about that. Yeah, what, what happened? Well, actually, you, it was you that put me onto the Mind Pump guys. So I must have been I must have been listening to their podcast now for, oh, I mean, two years, two maybe over two years. Um, but yeah. Just like you, a massive fan of of their work, followed them for a long time. And when I was away on holiday, they uh, this was I was in Mallorca. This was back in the summer. Uh, they had Joe DeFranco on their podcast. Yeah, I listened Joe, to that one. Yeah, Joe DeFranco. He's a world renowned strength coach. He trains a lot of the top level NFL players, um, and he he just trains a lot of high level athletes. He's someone that I followed and been interested in a long time. So I was really excited to hear that he was on the podcast. So I listened to it and then he started talking about the certification that he was going to run at the Mind Pump studio. And I was like, I'm going. I'm doing got, that. Yeah, it was just a bit of a, I wouldn't say impulse. I obviously thought about, I thought about it for a little while and I was like, no, it's definitely a course certification that I want to do. Plus they're at the Mind Pump studio. So it's just a bit of a double whammy. So I nice. thought I'd head over. So that was over in um, San Jose, which is Silicon Valley, obviously over in California. Never been to America before, so that was a bit of an eye opener for me. Mm. So I'm I'm 30 now, and obviously, you know, you see all the American movies, and you just kind of imagine what it's like over there. So for me, going over there, that's pretty cool to kind of experience like the food and just everything's fucking massive over there. Yeah, like, the trucks are just massive. The the roads are huge. You get down mm. the, like the highway, and it's like isn't the traffic just insane? The though? traffic, and we were staying in the Bay Area. And um, the traffic was just unreal. It was, yeah, pretty horrendous. Yeah, they do talk about West Coast traffic just yeah. being pr pretty bad, right? Yeah, it's renowned for it. But, um, yeah, so anyway, we I headed over with Lisa and Josh, as you know. Um, so he's only he's four months old now. And he was good as gold on the flight. And, um, yeah, so I was a little bit tired when I got back, obviously, jet lag and having a four-month-old yeah, baby yeah. with me. Um, but it, it, all you in got all, for it and you, you, you liked going to the West Coast of Yeah, all in all, America. loved it. It was great. We made a bit of a holiday of it. But I absolutely loved going to the Mind Pump studio. Um, yeah, talk to me a bit about that because you get to see it a lot because they you know, do a lot yeah. of filming of their podcast and you see them filming within their gym as well. Um, but yeah, explain what it felt well, was, like. Well, I was a little bit confused because they, I know they obviously have their YouTube channel and you can see some of their uh, videos. Some of their videos are, I think, are shot in a different gym because ah. it looks like it's got a big reception area. Um, it's a little bit wider. You can see there's like a rig and stuff in there, whereas their gym was a little bit smaller. I've definitely seen it on some of their videos. Um, so I definitely it's recognized the, the green, it. Green, yeah, green, green astroturf. Yeah. And they've got the lines down it and they've got my pump written across the middle. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, basically, so on, on the Friday, so the course was on Saturday and Sunday. On the Friday, I said to Lisa, it's an early start. So let's go and check out where it is. And it's very, um, very well hidden. It, they've got no signage or anything. So you can't actually tell that there's a gym behind the doors because it's all, it, you can't see through the windows. Yeah. And um, we found the location and I was like, oh, just, I'm good. I opened the door and put my head in and this was on the Friday. So I said, to him, I'm just gonna put my head in and see 
like or speak to someone. I thought I was going to open the door and there'll be reception. Like a reception. Area. Yeah. Open the door and Adam's standing there and Chafer's <laughs> there and he was just about to film a video. No way. Yeah. So I walked in and then we come bundling in with Josh and the pram and Lisa. And he's like, "Oh, can I help you?" And we're like, "Oh yeah." And then he quite quickly uh, clicked that I was on the course tomorrow. So is it you on the course tomorrow? I said, "Yeah, yeah." And then he looked at Josh and he said, like, "He's this little man." And spoke to him um told him about josh and whatnot and then justin and sal walked out the office so no way yes we're in there and then two walked out and then it was it, i mean it's just it's a bit surreal right when you hear them as much yeah. as you do it's almost like you know them but they don't know you right? yeah yeah because i was a little bit of a little like a fanboy because yeah, yeah. it's someone i've listened to and it's you know you know everyone has that kind of um mini celeb that they follow on podcasting that's not world renowned but although they're pretty big in the podcasting world yeah they are um, but for me, it was pretty cool to be standing in there and chatting to them three. But you didn't expect that was going to happen. So that must have hit happen. you sideways as well. Like, whoa. Yeah, I just kind of walked in and Adam was there. And then I was like, uh, okay. And then and they was, stopped and chatted to you. And then they, they stopped and chatted. And then um, it wasn't for very long, but we were like, yeah, we, we're uh, going to be coming in here tomorrow. So they were like, cool, we'll see you tomorrow. Um, but yeah, the, when I opened the door, my initial thought of their gym, it, it was a little bit smaller than expected, but that's because of what I've seen on their YouTube channel. Yeah. I'd expected to see a bigger gym. So I was Plus, a bit like, I think generally how you can film, you can film small spaces and make them look bigger yeah. by not showing the whole space, right? If you're just showing a corner of the space that you're working in, yeah. you don't know what's behind the camera. It might just be, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. But actually, the, the longer I spent in there, the bigger it started to feel because right. initially when I walked in, I was like, oh, I was a little bit underwhelmed with the 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 kind of size of it but like i said because of my expectation and it's not like a fully equipped gym it's more of a functional gym it. isn't it it's a functional gym just for them you yeah. can tell that they might might train clients out of the the gym and they i think they run other certs from there but it's not a fully functioning gym people don't have memberships there no but they had so you walk in on the left they've got well they've got the, a nice kind of slate wall with um a big sign saying my, my pump media and then around that they have um load of, like polaroid kind of pictures i saw you so, show yeah. me over like the guests i guess yeah the yeah. guests and you can see like brett Contreras nice. and stuff like that and so that that's pretty cool as you walk in on the right you've got kind of the sofa area where they do a lot of their filming oh yeah so you might see sometimes sal the green mind pump with background. the green mind pump yeah, yeah that's on your right then in front of you, uh, you well, actually on the left behind where the mind pump sign is, is the office. Um, where it, they do the podcast or it, just a general no, office? No, just a general office right. by the looks of things. And then, yeah, it's just a big open gym. They've got squat rack in there, free motion cable machine, um, which I absolutely love. I really want to get one of those at my gym. Um, so they've got free motion machine in the corner, squat rack. And yeah, pretty much most of the open space. As you go down the end, there's this big kind of cornered off room, which is actually quite a big room, which takes up a lot of their sort of gym floor space, I'd imagine. And uh, yeah, it's all soundproof. And that's know, their podcast booth, studio. And it's where they do podcasting. With the sofas and it looks pretty comfortable. Yeah. yeah. So I, I went in one of the days after lunch and Sal was showing a couple of other guys. And then they were about to finish and they sort of walked out and I just popped my head in and uh, went in there and Sal was in there. So I chat, chatted to him for a little bit looked around the uh, the studio which was quite quite cool to see where they do all their filming was it was it in, and then was it just a room or was it a room with a lot of gear uh 
yeah, it was. There was a lot of gear in there. Um, I didn't really know what I was looking at. There was just obviously there were sofas in there. They had the mics, and then I think they just had all these sort of audio equipment in all there. All the mixers and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, all the mixers and things. So obviously, I don't have a clue about any cool. of that. Um, were, they, were they podcasting whilst you were there? No, the I days? didn't. No, I didn't see them do any podcasting. They it was were, a weekend, wasn't it? So it was a weekend. They were kind of in and out. I thought they were going to be there, getting involved in the whole weekend, but um, they were there for most of Saturday. Um, and then Sunday, Sal popped in, but that was it on the Sunday. Got it. So, but yeah, uh, Sal took me over to the uh, infrared saunas. They've got two saunas, one that they don't use anymore, and their new one. So we're having a look at in, that. In the gym or never, never yeah, room somewhere else? in the else? gym. Yeah. Oh, okay. It, it's, it's, um, it's like a sauna that you'd have in your home. So you could literally, it's a mobile one. Yeah. Literally it's plug, these infrared ones, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, literally yeah. plug it in and turn it yeah, on. Yeah, I was really interested to get one myself, yeah. but... Just I haven't haven't bit the bullet, but so many people rave about saunas yeah. being really therapeutic, you know, both mentally, mm. psychologically, and from a wellness perspective. So oh, I, I can like see the why idea. they do it, and yeah. they do it quite often, don't they? Yeah, apparently, and and I quite like the um, the idea of going into a little space where you can just shut the door and mm. meditate, breathe, cut stretch, world. cut off from the world a little bit because going in your spare room, it's not you don't really have the same effect. Yeah, it's not the right environment, so. For me personally, that's why I'd get one. But, awesome, man. But that, that was that cool. great. Well, I, I'm kind of geeking out a little bit with you because I'm a, I'm a fanboy of these guys as yeah, well. Yeah. So just to hear what they're set up like and kind of visualize it in my head, that's awesome, man. So you went to go specifically for this certification with Joe DeFranco. And as you say, he's a world-renowned kind of strength coach. Mm-hmm. You know, he trains a lot of the NFL, trains a lot of basically American athletes from yeah. what I understand. And he uh, has supported athletes around America, not just in any one yeah. spot. I think he's he's kind of East Coast based, isn't he? He's the Jersey Jersey guy, right? So and that's where he lives York. right now. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's where he's based. So he came over to San Jose just to service yeah. people more locally to to that. Yeah. Area. So so he um he a lot of the the guests sorry a lot of the subscribers to Mind Pump would message Joe DeFranco like when are you coming on or they would ask the, the Mind Pump guys when are you getting Joe DeFranco on. And Joe DeFranco would get the same from his listeners. And they were like, when you're my... So he was like, you know what? I've, I've got to do this collab. So he did it. And then obviously he thought, well, I might as well do a certification over in your gym. Um, but I believe that he travels around America doing the certification. Doing shirts and generally helping yeah. clients out. And there's another guy that he does it with who's James Smith, who actually had quite a big role to play in the whole weekend. Not not the UK James Smith. Not the UK James Smith. <laughs> I was a bit like, James, I know that name. <laughs> Surely not. No, that would have um, been a weird collab. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I did think that. So I was like, it can't be. Um, so I didn't know, I don't know of James Smith um, as well as I do with Joe Franco. But I, I checked him up and I could see that he trains athletes. Um, he's he's big in the sort of sports performance world and looking at general wellness and mobility and movement in the gym. Okay. He was great. So he ran most of the certification on the Monday, oh, sorry, on the Saturday um, and then one of Joe DeFranco's coaches ran us through some like assessments and then Joe DeFranco, Joe DeFranco himself ran us through on Sunday, more the performance side of things, hands on the more practical side of, um, like bench press, squat, deadlift. Then we looked at, uh, power and speed and how to train athletes for that. Cool. So that's kind of how the, the weekend flowed. Um, uh, so yeah, that, and, and that was it. And, uh, I know that Justin, was there studying as well. 
So Justin from my one of the Mind Pump guys, he was doing the course with us. Oh, for um, the two days. Yeah, but I think they had to go on Sunday, so he only did the Saturday. Right. But I think her name's Jessica, uh, Sal's partner. Yeah. Um, she was there for the whole thing. Oh, cool. Um, and the guy that does our YouTube videos, I think his name, I was chatting to him at the end, Danny. Yeah, the younger guy. Younger guy. Really smart. That's it. Yeah, yeah. he was there as well. So, yeah. Awesome, whole, man. Yeah, got to meet the whole team. Well, you're, Great experience. And you're connected, right? You're networked. But, but that's the thing, right? So I was like, I'm going to go over. I want to network. Um, not that they're going to remember me specifically because it was quite a large group, but that's... You're establishing I, I be, connections, right? I want to be one of the, the best coaches. Um, yeah. I want to be up there. And like Joe DeFranco said, when we arrived, he said, um, he goes, people contact me all the time saying, oh, I want to do your course. When are you next doing it? And and he'll, he'll tell them when they're next doing it. And then they'll be like, oh, it's too far away. Or it's on the weekend. Or like, I coach all week. I like have my weekends off. And he's like, the fact that you guys are here. And he goes, so I, I'm obviously, I've flown from the UK. So that's mm-hmm. an 11 hour flight. Yeah. I was beaten by two others who really? flew from Australia. No way. And one of the guys that flew from Australia was only there for three days. Huh. I was like, that's mental, like for three three wow. days. Now, obviously, but, they go the opposite way around. But And if they were coming from Sydney, that'd be a little bit easier, but it's still a long yeah, trip. Yeah, a long isn't it? trip. Was so, it Sydney they were coming from? Uh, I'm not actually sure where he'd come from, but I just. Wow, somewhere that's, Australia, I just assumed but, they'd all be from that, that neck of the woods. Yeah, wow. yeah. I mean, but. Uh, it's dedication. And yeah. then Joe DeFranco, he's like, you know, people say I'm with the money or I don't want you too far there's away. There's always a way. And he's like, there's always a way. And yeah. the fact that you're here, like, shows it, you know, because he says people want to be like me all the time, but then don't actually take the actions in order to do that. So that's kind of, of my... blood, sweat and tears yeah. have gone into him being as good as he is. And if you want to follow the same path, you have to put in some of the same effort. Exactly. And, you know, you've got to spend your money. You have to engage in the right places. You have to you know, commit your most precious resource, which is time and your kind yeah. of mental capacity to learning. Yeah. Cool, man. So why don't we, why don't we kind of, so one part of this, this, this discussion was just to give that kind of exposure to the experience, which we've kind of started to lay out that, mm-hmm. that idea of it at least. Um, but I think the broader part of our discussion should be around kind of maybe kind of teasing out some of the key ideas and principles um, in part, just to show that you've learned, right? Yeah. And, you know, maybe show Joe DeFranco that you know what you, you know, you you were studying, yeah, yeah. you were writing notes, <laughs> you were listening, but also for our audience, like what are the applicable lessons, ideas, theories, techniques that you got from those two days, which you know, general pop mm-hmm. can take into how they think about engaging, whether it be in sport or in the gym. Now, as a precursor, you've you've kind of given me the heads up that this was more of a you know, a functional slash performance improving type mm-hmm. setup. So that's where his, he obviously, his forte is, right? Helping athletes become better athletes, increasing their performance. This isn't necessarily, you know, for the average Joe just wants to get bigger and bodybuilding. There's, there's more to it. There's more function mm-hmm. um, in this coaching. So anyone who's playing any sports or has any kind of athletic endeavors, who generally wants to increase their kind of performance in life, you know, greater speed, greater power, greater strength in doing in doing stuff outside of the gym, right? Yeah. Whether it be in a sport or some other kind of interest or activity. I think this is going to be a relevant discussion. Yeah. Maybe less relevant to, hey, how do I just increase my muscle mass? Because whilst that, there's crossover, yeah. the focus is on functional performance improvement exactly yeah, yeah exactly if you're anything like myself i 
I train kind of, you know, that I'm quite into my performance based style training. Um, but I'm not, I'm not an athlete in terms of, I don't actually specifically it's just the style that you like. It's just a style yeah. of training. I like as a byproduct. Yes. You obviously build muscle, get stronger and all of that. But yeah, there's a great deal of emphasis on sort of function, um, and how you perform just like a powerlifter would powerlifter would obviously focus on getting stronger performing. They look at obviously being very efficient with their movement. Obviously, as a byproduct, you can build muscle and whatnot. But yeah, yeah like you're yeah, saying, it's just, there, it's, you, you it's, have to you have to prioritize. What's yeah. your goal? And it sounds like his coaching, the primary goal in mind isn't muscle development. That's going yeah. to come along for the ride. Yeah. But the primary goal is improving performance, improving exactly. function. Yeah, yeah. And okay. although some people here might be listening that might be low level athletes that are literally just doing recreational sports or in, in youth teams, this is still very applicable because it's not just for the high-end athlete. Because Jody Frank, he trains general population and high-end athletes. Um, people like, I don't know if you know Eric Cressy, he trains a lot of the top baseball players, but he also trains a lot of the youth teams. He'll get a lot of the kids coming in, doing exactly the same things alongside these guys that have yeah. got multi-million dollar contracts. So I think that's an important point, right? Because a lot of people just assume that you're you're great at sport just because you're genetically gifted. Yeah. You know, you've just been endowed with just all the traits that are necessary to perform at the highest level. The reality is, yes, I think, you know, either you, you're genetically predisposed to have, you know, the right height, the right yeah. kind of stride length, that kind of thing. But you can improve upon a lot, a lot of the attributes that, you know, equate to good performance with great coaching. And you yeah. can take an average person and make them pretty good. I mean, yeah. Make them great. Exactly. But I mean, you but to get to become awesome, to become, you know, the world's best, I think you do need a bit of a genetic predisposition as well as yeah. great coaching and great, you know, persistence and patience. Yeah. And I think a lot of that takes kind of self-awareness, self-awareness, you know, of yourself and also people around you. So if, if I wanted to be a basketball player, I could probably only get so good, but I'm never going to be a high-end um, basketball player. You're I just haven't. I'm too small. <laughs> And white men can't jump. Um, <laughs> but no, I no, I, I just think there's a level of awareness that has to be there, um, as you're saying, genetically. And then obviously you've got to work hard on top of that. Yeah. But you can take someone that's average and make, and make them, them great. great. Yeah. As Joe DeFranco, uh, they use um, a shit, suck, good, great model. Um, so someone might come to their gym and they might be shit um, to begin with. And although it sounds quite horrible, it's just saying that your, you know, your form right now is it sounds like movement is pretty shitty. And then you go from shit to suck. So it's not shit, but it 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 sucks. It's not it's not the best. And then you go to good and then you go to great. So good is okay, that that's good, but now let's make you great. And they use this model. And you have that you can have that progression with anyone. Yeah. But whether that makes you the world's best is another matter. You yeah. could be great, but not the world's best. Exactly, yeah. The world's best requires the extra source of that level of effort, commitment, belief, yep. as well as, you know, your body and puts it, together in the right And it's just way. a matter of where are you at now? Are yeah. you in the shit stage? Are you in the great stage? Are yeah. you in the good stage? You might be in the good stage and you just need to get from good to great. You might need to get from um, suck to, to good. So it's, it's just wherever you're at, it doesn't okay. matter. There's a progression. Sounds good, it's man. Continuum. So... Yeah, I don't know if you've got like a running order of the things that you you feel are best worth kind of sharing. Yeah, I mean, so one of the first topics that we focused on was breathing. And um, breathing is one of those things I, I knew was important 
Um, but I've not really worked on it with myself or many of the, uh, I mean, I train general population. Uh, I've trained a few athletes as well, and I'd like to get into that a little bit more, but breathing is such a fundamental part of your training. And that, and that, even if you're, um, whether you're, whatever your goal is, whether it's building muscle or performance, breathing has a huge effect on your health. So if you think about it, most of us day to day are chest breathers. And that's just typically because we sit down and we're in this kyphotic posture with rounded shoulders. What happens is if we're chest breather, our pecs get tight, our upper traps get tight. We, we, we just we basically breathe with our shoulders. And we're in this constant state of like inhalation. These muscles are hypertonic, they're tight, and we're never fully opening, expanding, and breathing out. What that means is there's going to be a higher level of CO2 buildup in, in the blood, in the body. And if you've got high levels of CO2, that's going to um, mean that you're in a more of a, a sympathetic state. Okay. Mm-hmm. So your yep. nerve system is going to be um, aroused and you, sorry, you're going to, you're going to struggle to get in that more parasympathetic state. So that means if you're, if you're stressed, you're almost stressed out all the time because you're mm-hmm. not exhaling, you're not releasing, you're in that uh, sympathetic state. Cortisol levels are going to be higher. Posture is going to be poor. Um, and that means your overall health is gonna gonna be affected. Guess what? When you then put load on top of that, if your positioning's bad because your posture, you're probably gonna ha- end up having some sort of joint pain. So we need to look at how the individual's breathing. So we ran through an assessment. So we go, okay, let me have a look at how you're breathing first of all. Most of the athletes that come to the gym or just general population will will be chest breathers. Right. Let's get you lying on the floor. Now let's try and teach you how to breathe. So we we need to learn how to breathe a little bit deeper. We need to learn how to fully take a deep belly full of air. And I say belly because we want to try and expand the lungs, which will bring the diaphragm into full use. Once we um, expand the diaphragm, that then allows us to um, get the intradominal pressure. So it allows our deep abdominal um, uh abdominal wall to really brace and get tight and it also allows us to get into a better position um because once we've taken that deep um belly full of air in as we exhale we want to take a hard exhale out and keep exhaling keep exhaling as you exhale and you deflate and you try and get that oxygen out the body you then start to feel this tightness your rib cage comes down so your rib cage so if you imagine lying on the floor and your lower back is arched, you're probably going to have, well, if your lower back's arched, you're going to have rib flare. That means your rib cage is, is sticking out and the bottom of your rib cage is pointing up towards the ceiling. Yeah. We want your rib cage to be pointing down facing your pelvis. Yes. So we need to make sure that you've got that positioning. So as you exhale, if you exhale hard enough and you keep doing that, eventually your rib cage will pull in and your abs will tighten. Everything will get nice and tight and that'll pull you into a good good alignment. And that's what we do to start with. We just focus on breathing. Okay, all right, take a deep, again, let's get your diaphragm moving. Let's expand the belly. Now let's expand the ribs. Let's breathe into the floor. So circumferential breathing. So let's breathe 3D breathing. Let's try and breathe in all directions. Try and really open everything up then your your neck muscles, your shoulders, everything starts to let go. You start to open up. You start to feel a little bit more relaxed. You're a bit more in a parasympathetic state. Yeah. So you start to lower your cortisol levels. Um, and then 
from that point, like I said, you exhale, then you can create that tension. You can bring your ribs down so your positioning's good. You can get tight. Guess what that means? When you get under the bar, when you're doing a back squat or a deadlift, you're going to be in a good position and you've got the ability to get that deep abdominal pressure, get really tight, support the spine. You're going to be much stronger in your lift. Yeah. So, so you you obviously knew the importance of bracing yeah. prior to going mm-hmm. to see Joe. Has he... Did he just reinforce the points you already knew or did he... Reinforce the importance did, did, of it. Him, him and his team express it in a way which was novel or different or get you thinking about the importance of it in a different way? Mm. So one of, one of the things that I never really stopped to think about was, okay, I can explain to the individual how to breathe, but how am I actually going to get them to do it? And get them to lie on the floor and take them through a sequence of, okay, let me look at how you're breathing. Now let's take a deep belly full of air in. You look at expanding the belly and get the diaphragm, um, the diaphragmatic breathing going. So you expand the diaphragm. Okay, now you can do that. Now let's get you doing 3D breathing. So let's get let's expand everything. So you take really full of air, um, uh, sort of really pull that air into your body expand the body hold it like a barrel in your hold it like a barrel so your stomach yes yeah, so you learn to, to to breathe properly right yeah once you've done that then uh we'll test the diaphragm so we do like it's called like a like a hook grip so it, it it's like a rib a rib grip sorry so you put your fingers under the ribs towards the diaphragm okay um and then you can feel if they're pushing your fingers out from under the rib cage and you can see whether they're kind of utilizing that diaphragm okay um without just pushing with their abs because mm. you want to make sure you're relaxed and you're using that Unfortunately, diaphragm. that is a it's a common misconception of what yeah. bracing is people think i'm just gonna squeeze yeah squeeze my abs like i'm you know getting ready for a photo yeah like, and what, what trying to make it? my abs look good versus yeah. actually when you brace you look kind of fat don't you? It would that's it. So you've got to push your belly out and you've got to almost put that pressure outwards yeah. rather than in. So that that's one of the things that I was like, oh, okay, that's a good way for me to kind of to coach your clients to understand how they currently breathe and how to breathe properly. Yeah. Which benefits process. their life, their stress levels, and importantly, doing these big movements that require yeah. stable and secure spine and midsection. Yeah, and that's it. Um so I was thinking, well, this isn't just for the athlete that walks through the door that that needs to breathe, but this is for everyone. This yeah. is for anyone, especially people that travel or sit at a desk. If they're if they're chest breathers, they're gonna they they need this. This is fundamental to okay. everyone. So like that it. was a bit more of a bit more of a reminder in how important it actually was. Um and I mean it's hard to explain over the podcast, but without a coach, it's hard to kind of take you through the process through the sequence yeah it's more of a hands-on did, did they talk about breathing in the context of maximizing you know your vo2 or generally you know maximizing performance um you know making sure that your muscles for whether it be a sprint a run or a bicep curl again like you know the most maximal mm-hmm delivery of nutrients did they talk about that or, or not so much well they're, they're talking about the bracing dial which was good so they're saying about bracing isn't just bracing we just think okay just brace for everything okay if you're doing a plank you're going to brace if you're doing a back squat, you're going to brace but there's different volumes so if you're imagine 
imagine bracing is dial. If you're doing a plank, you turn that bracing dial right down. So you want to be able to keep tight. You want to be able to what they call breathe behind the brace. So when you're doing a plank, you yeah. don't want to be holding your breath because no, you of course you, not. you're not yeah. you're not under that much load. Yeah. So that means you can actually breathe behind the brace. So you're bracing, but you can breathe and you can function. You can hold it. You can stay there. But if you're under barbell and you're doing a heavy back squat, you're not going to want to breathe behind the brace. Um, you're just going to lose pressure, aren't you? You want to keep that pressure. So when you're dropping under that bar, you're going to want to make sure that your midline stability is there. So that was something that was a good kind of takeaway point for me was like, okay, like there's a bit of a dial here as to how much bracing we do and how we how example, we change our breathing bra- dynamics. Bracing when, you know, you have to brace when you do a lot of isolation exercise as well. Think yeah. about, I don't know, a one-arm... Um, lateral raise for example mm-hmm. you've got you've got there's some kind of midsection tension yep. even a bicep curl like or a military press right for you know there's there's a lot of tension going on in any of those movements however you've got to breathe as well yeah and you're not gonna you're not gonna hold your breath as you do your do your biceps curls yeah are you so understanding how to brace so you're not you haven't got like weakness in the system you know you want to transfer the maximum amount of energy yeah. from the from the dumbbell to your muscle so bracing is kind of important across every exercise i think i don't think there's many exercises where you can be completely flaccid and chill but as you say bracing when you're doing a bicep squat is nothing like bracing Bracing, just before you're going to do a max one rm on on a back squat exactly so we just got to look at that that intensity level of of how you're bracing and the dynamical breathing just changes a little bit but that yeah so that was good so that's kind of what we covered when it came to changing the dynamics for different exercises when it came to breathing. Got it. That makes um, sense. So yeah. And then once we had gone through the importance of breathing and how to assess someone's breathing and then how to coach them through that process, then we moved on to more of a movement assessment. Now, the reason uh, a movement assessment is important, whether whether you have a coach do it for you or not, just, just understanding what your limitations are so that you can put them into your program, it'll be an absolute game changer. So whether you've got joint issues or whether you've got postural issues that you want to improve, by adding in, uh, so if you've got any restrictions, by adding in these protocols that are specific to your needs, if you add them into your warm-up, you can add them into your fillers. So if you're doing a deadlift, you can then do it in between your deadlift. So let me use uh, T-spine, thoracics as an example. So your upper spine, it wants to be mobile, Okay. If, if I'm not very mobile in the upper back, what am I going to do? I'm going to add that probably into my warm-up routine. I'm going to add that into my fillers. So if I do a deadlift, I'm going to do my deadlift and then I'm going to come out and then I'm probably going to do some T-spine mobility in between because it's not going to tax me. All it's going to do is make me better for when I go back into the, the deadlift. It's not specific for the deadlift, but it's specific to me and my restrictions. Mm-hmm. So I can chuck that in as fillers. So that's just a good, efficient way of doing that. Then I can also do it as my cool down, as my warm down. I can stretch off and I can open up my chest and shoulders to allow my me to open up and rotate a little bit better. I can also microdose throughout the day. So they kept talking about microdosing. So just get the reps in. When you're not in the gym, if there's any restrictions, work on it throughout the day. Like do do 100 reps of 10, you know. Uh, sorry, do 10 sets of 10 throughout the day. You know, get 100 reps in. 
or I don't know, just whenever you get time, just try and microdose and chuck it into your day. So it doesn't have to be a full-blown workout. To just work specifically on restrictions, restrictions in mobility? Mobility, um, stability. So the way that we test stability versus mobility is a passive and an active test. So as an example, if I did a, a passive test, that's where I allow your body or I add support to your body and then I check your range of motion. So if I get you to lie on your side and I get you to what's called like a sideline windmill where you rotate your arm round. So let me say you're, imagine you're in bed and you're lying on your side, you've got your knees stacked, your feet stacked, arms out in front of you. Mm-hmm. If I got my uh, my top arm and I rotate it round to, the, to behind me yeah. and I can get my back flat on the bed, that means I'm going to have good thoracic rotation. Yeah. Okay. If I haven't got any restriction there whilst lying on the floor, that means I probably haven't got any mobility restrictions because I'm supported, I'm relaxed, I can move through that range. But let's say I then sit up and try and do that same rotation. I try and turn round as if I'm in bed and I bring my arm round and I can, can only get halfway there. Mm. That means now I'm not supported by the floor. It's now a stability issue, not a mobility issue. Right. Because okay. I've already, uh, we know you have that mobility. We know you can get into that range, but now you're not supported by the floor. You haven't got that support structurally helping you. It's now a stability issue. So what that means is that there might be some muscular imbalance that we need to work on. Mm. Um, I mean, can I just, just an, as an example, um, say, say you're struggling with depth on, on a squat, maybe as you get into depth, it actually hurts your kind of hip flexors mm-hmm. and then they're just tightening up. Yet, if you get that person on the floor, there yep. might be a good chance that you can bring their knees quite close to their chest and it seems relatively free and maybe they've got the appropriate range of motion. They've got mm-hmm. the right mobility, but when they're under the bar, they seem to tighten up and yep. restrict their mobility. In that case, that's not mobility being the problem per se. That's a imbalance in their muscle. Yeah. Uh, muscle tension, stability, and or maybe maybe recruitment pattern issues in how they're moving. Yeah. Would well, that be fair? Yeah, but, uh, that's it. So one of the tests you would do is get them to go on their uh, hands and knees and you get them to get into their squat stance. So you bring your knees out slightly, you turn your feet out to the position that you'd normally squat. Then you get them to sit back. And if you can achieve a good squat on the floor like that, because you're supported by the floor, you're not having to actively do it. So therefore, um, if you can get into that bottom range of the squat, no you've problem. Got, you've got the you, range. You've got the range. You have yeah. the mobility. If I get you to stand up and do it and now you can't, that's showing us that there's some sort of restriction there yeah. um, in terms of not mobility, but stability. So whether that's lack of hip flexor strength, it might be core strength, it might be glutes, quads. So there might be something there that's not quite working, allowing you to get into that bottom range. Uh, a good example would be if you've ever done a squat, let's say you do a back squat with just a barbell, you can get all the way to the bottom, perfect form, chuck a bit of weight on, you can't get as low. Now I see, I've seen this quite a lot that people just, they'll chuck too much weight on the bar and they'll go and do their squat and they can do, do half a squat. Yeah. No matter how much I want to get them to go into a deeper squat, they haven't got the stability, they haven't got the strength with that load to get into a deeper squat. I also think your body is protecting you. It's so not, al- not allowing yeah. you to go because it knows you can't accommodate. Yeah. You won't be able to get out of the hole. So it just stops you. Exactly. Right? So it inhibits you, right? It inhibits you. Yeah. So what would what would you do? You'd go, okay, 
So I could look at it and go, oh, they've got a restriction um, of some sort. It might be their anatomy, their pelvis, you know, something's not allowing them to get that low because no matter how much I cue them, no matter how much I try and coach them through it, no matter how much... That would be a weak... Oh, there'd be an inexperienced coaching's uh, coach's perspective, yeah. which is you've got a mobility issue in your ankles or whatever. Yeah. But you're saying, well, actually, if I can, if I can see what your um, uh, supported range of motion is. Yeah. In this, what passive? Yeah. Then you can you can test whether they've got the mobility issues, and if they haven't got a mobility issues, they've got a they've got a form or a a muscle imbalance issue. Yeah. And that's it. So it, rather than look at them and, and cueing them and trying to get them to do it, okay, well, jump on the floor. Let's have a look. Okay, you can access that that position. Yeah. Um, if they can't, then you you break it down and go, okay, what restrictions have you got in terms of mobility? Is it your hips? Is it your ankles? But if they can on the floor supported, then you'd go, okay, well, it's obviously a load issue. Like the, the weight's too heavy. Whether that's your body weight or whether that's 100 kilograms, I don't know. But whatever that weight is, that's you can't control that range. You can't. You don't have the strength in order to support that load. So your body's not allowing you to get. But into then that you need position. to understand what part of your anatomy is weak or doesn't have that that level of stability or that level of balance, right? Yeah. Because you you, you might not be able to get down into the bottom of a squat because you're not activating your glutes. Yeah. You might not be able to get in the bottom of a squat because your know, your quads suck. And everything else fires and your quads just seem to be going mm. along for the ride. Yeah. You know, I guess the next part of your assessment is what part of your body is letting you down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, and that's it. So if you're, so a test that I used to do would be an overhead squat. So I'd give them a dowel and I'd say, okay, the reason you do an overhead squat with a dowel is because that, that puts you in almost a restricted position. Like you and I know that if you're going to do an overhead squat, you've got to have pretty damn good mechanics, right? Yeah. You've got to have good, good ankle mobility. You've got to have good hip good mobility, shoulder mobility, thoracic, thoracic shoulder. Yeah. You've got to have good mobility. It's fucking hard. Yeah. And <laughs> and so if you put that them in that position, okay, squat, it's going to highlight pretty quickly if they've got any restrictions. Yeah. But the problem with that is when I used to do that, it's like, okay, one of the Joe DeFranco's coaches, he said, the problem with that is that that's like starting your car and it not starting. So you know there's a problem, but you don't know what's going on. You don't mm, really... too much is it, is it the ankles? Is it the hips? Is it the thoracic? Is it the shoulder? So essentially what we're doing is we're breaking that down. So yeah. if someone's squatting with weight on their back and you go, okay, we, you've got the mobility, so we've tested that, but you're now squatting with this weight on your back and you, you can't get into position, that's like the car not starting. So then we go, okay, let's break that down. Let's have a look at what's not working. So we look at then the active assessment, which is the looking at um breaking down the body but we're doing it actively okay how well do your shoulders work actively so there's a few examples of where you can do wall slides so you're back against the wall and then you've got to keep your ribs down so your lower back's flat against the wall you've got to keep your wrists so imagine you bring your arms up by your side as if you're doing an overhead press can your wrists maintain contact while you slide your hands overhead yep. and keep rib flare down. Mm. If you could, if you can't do that, you can do that on the floor, lying on your back, but you can't do it standing up along the wall, then we've probably got some sort of um, instability there that we need to work on. And that's just where we can go, okay, let's look at the shoulders. Now let's look at the thoracics. Now let's look at the hips. Let's look at the ankles. And just working through the body like that. So nice. although if you're a listener right now, that's, you know, that's, that's hard without knowing what the exact protocols are in order to test that, at least it gives you that overriding principle, that that overarching theme of, okay, well, 
just because you can't get to depth with your squat, it doesn't mean that you haven't, it's mobility. Because I see quite often that some people just go straight to mobility and go, I have a restriction. And they're like, foam rolling and they're, yeah, yeah. and they're doing all this pointless kind of stretching yeah. that's not really moving the needle or changing materially the way that they perform the movement. It might give you some immediate little bit of kind of like respite from yeah. some of the pressure, but ultimately yeah. the following day, you have to do the same the same drills because you're still tight and you're tight not necessarily because you haven't got the range you're tight because you're misfiring your muscles yeah exactly and then and then what i might do is say okay well a simple way to fix that is okay so let's let's mimic that movement on the floor so let's say you're doing a squat as you said hands and knees sit your body weight back can you control that same or can you can you control the squat in a good te- with good technique and slide right back perfectly Yes. Okay, cool. Right. Now, when you get under the bar, you can't. So what does that mean? Rather than having to break everything down, maybe you just lighten the load. Maybe you go to body weight and just try and get good at getting a little bit deeper with good mechanics, body weight first, and then start adding the load from there because you now know it's a strength issue. Or you might go, okay, I can't do body weight. So I can do it on the floor, but I try and do a body weight squat and I still break down. I flex at the spine, rounding, my knees cave. Okay. Maybe you do it ring supported. So you hold some rings or you hold a TRX and you can drop down because now you're giving yourself some support. So you're just moving up and down that kind of progression, regression continuum, right? Mm. So you can just work from there. And that's just an easy way for me when I'm coaching someone. Okay, you've got the, you've got the mobility and you've got the restriction. Um, when you've got the weight on your back, let's just lighten the load. Let's try and let's see what what you can, what, where you, where's your capacity at? Yeah. All right? Yeah, that makes sense. So that's passive and active assessment yeah to assess whether you've got mobility or instability that's yeah. preventing you from performing the way mm-hmm. that you should perform on on a compound lift or some other kind of like more mechanical movement yeah or just in general just just breaking down and it and it's kind of looking at the whole body not just so that you can lift well but so that you can move well day to day so just have you in general got any restrictions yeah. is there anywhere that nice. we can prioritize that we can give you to microdose throughout the day and we can chuck into your program you can slot that into your program and you'll be very efficient with what you're doing in the gym so you're not doing a back squat and then going on your phone for for, for well, this this period. is it right i mean we go into the gym you know principally either to lose weight or gain muscle right that's what most people were going in the gym for um but you know we once were a very active species like right? waking mm-hmm. up in the morning and having to roam around doing stuff of some sort not necessarily doing high intensity but doing stuff yeah lifting stuff moving around getting things collecting things cooking uh, and we'd be doing that until nighttime yeah so we'd be moving all day we wouldn't be sitting at a desk all right you can't imagine our caveman just like sitting at a desk just pondering on something for like hours on end doing nothing they're moving so breathing was just natural we would breathe normally we'd move functionally we through all all planes of movement we would just be using our body the way they were designed unfortunately our life today um just because society pressure work all that kind of stuff means that we are sedentary and that's no insult generally i am incredibly sed- sedentary i've got an office-based job and for the most part if i'm going to be productive i have to stay at my desk not keep moving all the time yeah and that lack of movement means that we've got to focus greater in the gym at fixing our lack of movement which is creating instability or mobility issues because if we want to be better in the gym or we want to be able to play with our kids or we want to just be functional or be great at sport 
we need to be able to use our body the way it was intended. And that's basically what I'm hearing you is like, let me help you understand how your body should work and how it isn't working and how we can, you know, fill that gap, fill that void. And that's actually one of the points that we, one of the sections that we covered as well, we covered a lot of fascia. So fascia is that kind of tissue that's, it, if it you think of it, sticks the muscles. Yeah, together. it's in and around the muscles and the ligaments. It's the white it's, stuff, it's, isn't it? In, in it, around well, the pink muscle. No? It, it's actually. Um, I thought it was white, and actually, it's something that they were talking about on 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 the course. It was saying it's not white. Oh, okay. It's actually um, like I think it's like see through kind of jelly right, looking. Okay. But um, they're they're talking about the role of fascia, and you can imagine yourself wearing a wetsuit, right? Yeah. It's like wearing a wetsuit, and it's kind of it's holding everything together right and without fascia we would just crumble and fall to the floor it's kind of holding everything together throughout the whole entire body now when going back to the breathing if you're a chest breather and you're you've got high levels of co2 because you're not really fully exhaling you're not taking full deep breaths what that means is that your fascia is going to become restricted and when your fascia is restricted, your muscles aren't going to move as well because they don't. They're not going to well. slide. They're not going to slide yeah. as well because of obviously being a shallow breather. So sometimes I and this is where I was like, ah, I recognise that in a lot of people actually in the gym when you're like, why are you so chronically tight? But then when you look at how they breathe, they 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 barely breathe. They're, they're such a shallow chest breather. You can see by their posture, they're they're a chest breather because you can see their traps shoulders are tight, are yeah. shoulders and um, pecs are tight. And you can just tell by the way they're breathing. You tell by the lifestyle. They've got a lot of uh, chronic ongoing stress. So, so the breath's just getting shorter and shorter. They're getting more and more jacked up. Their fascia's getting more and more, uh, the function of their fascia and their muscle tissue is getting worse, which means that they're not able to... to freely move. Freely move. Yeah. Hydration's another part of that as well. So you've got to stay hydrated in order to, to move freely and allow muscles to sort of move congruently. And um, so we're talking about the role of fascia and two ways to uh, fascia responds is through pressure and movement. So like you're saying there, we're designed to move. We're not designed to just sit over, hunched over a desk all day. We're designed to move. So when I'm coaching in my sessions, I don't let my members stop. They They don't stop throughout the whole hour that they're with me. So they'll do their warm up. Once they've done their warm up, grab a quick drink, back over. Okay, now we're going to go into activation. So we're going to fire up your your glutes. We're going to fire up your your core. We're going to um, work all your postural muscles. Okay, now we're going to move into your strength exercise. In between your strength exercise, you can do mobility or you can do some sort of core exercise or something that's not going to metabolically tax you for your big lift, but it's going to keep you moving. It's going to keep you warm, better than standing around. And that whole hour, you're just moving, 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 whether it's mobility or strength or it's cardio, you're always on the go. And um, because I'm trying to make sure that movement's a big part of what we do. And I think that we could just spend a little bit more time as a society focusing on moving more day to day. And then when you're in a gym, you know, jump on a foam roller, jump on a lacrosse ball. Um, there's no real hard, fast rules with this. Like you can chuck a kettlebell on your psoas you know you can lie on your back and put a psoas which um this uh, joe d's a big fan of of hitting your psoas with a kettlebell handle yeah so you turn the kettlebell upside down put it into your psoas so into your hip flexor um because fascia responds to that pressure and just finding ways to get into your chest and into your basically trying to release the 
the, the, the stranglehold that this fascia yeah. has all over your muscles. And if you can get it to it's kind sensory, of chill. So it, yeah, yeah. And doing that, doing a, any anything that kind of like works on your diaphragm or your psoas. Mm-hmm. So like getting a ball into your, into the bottom yeah, of yeah. your rib cage or yep. getting that kettlebell handle into the, um, just above your hips mm-hmm. and letting it sink in, not just force it in like as if you're trying to like di- dig a knife into your body, but instead you're, you're trying to relax your body onto the ball or relax your your, your stomach yeah. so that the kettlebell can fall deeper and deeper into your body. That is really parasympathetic. I find, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I do that, it can you can feel a bit sick, especially if you're trying to yeah, open up fun. your tight diaphragm. But once you can get it to loosen a little bit past that kind of sickness sensation, I can almost fall asleep doing yeah. that. It's like that chilling, yeah, that, that relaxing. It's pretty cool. And and um, because it, it, it's kind of tempting to really brace your abs and support against that, and resist and once, against it exactly. Yeah. And once and and that's where you would then incorporate breathing into doing your um, pressure work like that. So you can breathe, get in that parasympathetic nervous system state where it allows you to relax, and then you sink into it more, and then it gets deeper into because that's where you're going to get all the benefit, right? It's when everything else lets go, so yeah. you can actually get that, that exactly. Re- and that's response. you know that and that's where the magic happens. So whether you're an athlete trying to improve at your sport or you're trying to build muscle, actually. It, the, the magic happens in the restoration, in the recovery, in the adaptation phase, not in the not in the phase where you're catabolically um, pushing, stressing the body, breaking yeah. it down. You're actually getting weaker in the gym, stronger at home. So we need we need to have a big focus on recovery and restoration. So we need to focus on quality of fascia, muscle tissue, and releasing. And and I know that this conversation can feel like come on guys get to the juicy stuff you're talking about breathing and stretching like how is that relevant but you've just said it it is relevant because it's a game changer recovery and allowing your body to move the way it should Mm. are two massive massive dials for your body adapting as you say if you're constantly in a stress you know uh you know threshold that means you're constantly got a level of catabolism whether you're working training in the gym or you've got stress in life if you've got an overall kind of stress state your body's not in this anabolic state where it's able to recover and fully you know regenerate the tissues the way they should so learning how to have that yin yang of Mm. being able to go in the gym and go all out but then just kind of let the pendulum swing the other way like fully so you can fully relax and chill and and restore i know for me if I if I go too hard in the gym and I don't do the kind of rest stuff properly, I know I'm kind of wasting my time. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I just feel like battered. Yeah. Because my body's like, just give me a break. Give me a break. Yeah. You, you know, you're in the gym every day, and then life's kind of like bit bit too stressy immediately afterwards and for the rest of the day. Like when when do you expect me to do my work and build this new tissue, these yeah. new fibers, the way you expect me to do? And, so and, that, and that's deal. it. So you're not scraping out of an empty barrel, you know, you're yeah. refilling it and allowing it to your body to flourish. So a lot of the top strength um, coaches will, won't let their athlete leave until they've actually, they've laid on the floor and done some breathing. Oh, okay. Until they get into that parasympathetic state. Leave when they relaxed. Leave basically. relaxed. Wow. So rather than training, you're going to train hard and then you're going to go grab your phone. Thanks very much. Put your jacket on, grab your phone, look at your phone, get into your car, get cut up by someone be pissed off because you're you're then amped up up, and you haven't yet started the recovery process which is the best bit wow so they actually start recovery in the gym before you leave wow yeah and this is something i i 
like to do myself and I do that with members, especially um, if I'm coaching someone that's typically busy at work, stressed out, kids, and it's just go, 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 catabolic, catabolic rather than anabolic. I say, okay, now we need to get you more in that recovery process. Now let's start breathing. And feels like so, a bit of a waste of time for the recipient yeah. a little bit. They're like, oh, come on, man. I've got yeah. shit to do. Well, that's it. Yeah. So I just say, look, you can't leave. You're not touching your phone. You're going to lay there for yeah. two minutes, breathe like in through your nose, expand your belly, try and 3D breathing, and then exhale hard. Do that. Hold it for two minutes. Chill out. Just just chill out. And then you I leave. That's again. a great, great takeaway, yeah. man. Listen, so, I know you've got other stuff you want to talk about, and we've hit this piece quite hard. Tell me about some other things that you think were quite important from the session. Uh, so we're looking at... Um, so accommodating resistance, so using chains and bands. Um, Jody's quite funny funny because he's uh he gets quite pissed off at people that use chains on a barbell for kind of the um aesthetics or the looks. So people just dangle the chain. It looks industrial over. and aggressive. It looks industrial yeah. and, you, and they basically just dangle the and chain over the barbell. And they make such a noise, such a racket. And, and, and you basically have two or three links on the floor. Yeah, what's um, the point? Yeah. <laughs> and you're saying about game changers. I don't know if you watched oh, the documentary. Oh, I have seen it, yeah. Um, what a waste of time. Anyway. The, the guy, that the, the, the strong man in that, he's he's lifting with uh, chains on the barbell. Joe DeFranco's um, saying, oh, how much that pissed him off at the beginning. He's like, I was straight away crossed my arms and I was pissed off from the beginning because this guy didn't put the chains on properly. The, the point um, of chains is that there should be some of the weight on the floor, right? Yeah. Because so you, the whole point is that it, the, the strength or the loading of that movement is changing as you're moving up yeah. and down, right? Yeah. Because some of the weight's on the floor and then as you stand up, the weight's not on the floor. So yeah. the weight in your hand or on your back is getting heavier or lighter depending on where you are relative to the floor. That's it. And and yeah. you have to, so the way you put the chains on, you'd have it, you'd have part of it hooked over the um, the, the barbell, the but then you'd have all the chains pretty much hanging down near the floor. So when you go down, you pretty much got all the chains on the floor. So that takes all that weight away from you. So every t so sorry, at the lower you get with your back squat, the more chains, the more links are going to be on the and floor. And it's lighter at the bottom. It's going to be lighter at the bottom. So you can get out of the hole. So you can get out of the hole. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so this was part of the looking at like accommodating resistance. So and how to, how to use that, whether it be bands or chains. Yeah, and right. and chains and bands. He Jody was saying he's quite a big fan of of bands, and um, yeah, so. Imagine you put some bands on the uh, on on your back squat. Obviously, you have to have kind of uh, well, loading them up above above. For you example. can do it above or or from the side. So let me let's say you have got your bands both sides of the bar, pulling it down. As you squat down, that band tension is going to lessen as you get to the bottom of the squat. So the bar essentially can get lighter. That's when you get weaker at the bottom, right? So it allows you to go down and get out of the hole as you come back up. Drive out that hole. As you're coming up out the hole, that band tension increases again. It's going to get heavier as you get. And as higher. you get stronger, the tension increases with that. So yeah. that's the strength curve. That's um, looking at accommodating that resistance. How is that relevant to the average person? Like, is it should when people think about mastering movement and uh, their mechanics and mobility mm -hmm. and you know mind muscle connection and stability of joints when they perform, so they can really contract the muscle they're, they're focusing on. How relevant are these kind of like accessory movements where you're ver varying a squat or a deadlift mm. or, or a bench press even with bands or chains. Is this something that people should be thinking about um, if they're still working it out or maybe within even the, the first two years of training? Or do you think actually this is 
a little bit down the track. I, I don't know either way. I'm just wondering yeah. what, well, what your thoughts are. So I would, um, uh, me personally, I, I try and get sort of the fundamentals right first with just free weights. So using the barbell, adding load. Once you get there, then you can start looking at adding things like bands and chains. Um, because what, what happens there is that if we're doing, say, a power phase, right? So power is part of part of the course that we did on the weekend. And we talk about what, what is power. Power is strength um, times speed. So Strength times speed. Okay. Yeah. So if you, if you lift too heavy, if you lift too heavy, you're going to lift more strength. Because you'll go, you'll be cranking slower. it out. You'll be yep. grinding out the movement. Grinding out the movement. You can't speed. go quick if you're at 90% yeah. of your one rep max, right? Um, but then speed is on the other end of the spectrum. If the bar is, say, I've just got an empty bar on my back and I'm capable of, of squatting, say, 150 or 100 kilograms, let's just say, if I've got a 20 kilogram bar on my back, I'm going to be so quick that I'm not really working. I'm nowhere near that strength uh, realm. I'm just, I'm just, just doing, doing speed. speed. Right? Yeah. In the middle of that, then obviously you've got power. Right. So we're looking at about 50 to, I think it's about 75% of your one rep max. Okay. That's the kind of sweet spot where there's enough load on there that is hitting your strength but it allows you to be quick enough that you're developing the power and the fast twitch muscle fibers that we need. Um, and that power will complement your strength and your strength will obviously complement your power. Think about it this way, right? When you do bench press, there's a lot of people talk about you to, to press hard and fast. Yeah. And then if you want to maximize hypertrophy, slow the center it, but get out of the, get it from your chest as quickly as possible. Yeah. Now, as it gets heavier, you won't be able to move as fast. But the idea is you're trying to move it fast. Yeah. It's that kind of fast contract right? push away from your body um, so that you can do the reps. Mm -hmm. Because if you go, if you do the concentric too slow, you'd be grinding out. You won't get it. You won't yeah. achieve it. You need that momentum. More time and attention, right? So 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 I, I see the benefit of power and and strengthening power on the concentric side of a movement. Mm -hmm. I, I guess you don't really focus about power on the eccentric like for example dropping a weight down really quickly to your chest that yeah. doesn't have as much applicability does it because that's well, just gravity the so the, well where the bands come in then so this is where we start looking at concentric eccentric movement um or phase of of the lifting is that so let's look at the concentric concentric will be the in the bench press from the bottom pressing up as hard as you can right if you haven't got any bands on there and you're going for power you you're you're going at such speed that you then have to deaccelerate. So you have because to, otherwise you're going to throw the bar off. You're you. going to throw the bar off yeah. you, or you're going to you're going to dislocate your shoulder. Yeah. However, if you've got a band on there. Guess what? You're accommodating that resistance. You could power as hard as you want all the way, but that band gets stronger and stronger and stronger. So as you get to the, the top, top, it's it's just slowing you down a bit. It's slowing you down. Right. So it's kind of um it's accommodating for that that deacceleration also. So that. That's one of the good things. And Louis Simmons is one of the the, the yeah. guy at Westside Barbell. He's the one that's kind of popularized this. And this is where bands come in. So you really generate that that power on a, on, on a power phase um, without, yeah, w whilst helping you to deaccelerate. On the way down, it's then the band's pulling it down towards you and it allows you to almost create that elastic energy that you have in your muscles. So something you might, I feel like the eccentric part, the lowering phase of the lift is one that's quite often neglected. So if you're doing, as an example, to keep it really simple, like a bicep curl, 
if you want to grow your biceps, everyone focuses on the concentric, right? It's all about how much can I lift? And they might swing their body or I'd done it when I was younger. I wanted to grow my biceps. So I'm going to ego, ego. Yeah, you're thinking about the, I'm thinking the contraction because con- you can see the muscle, you know, yeah. getting, getting in big, like, you know, yeah. when, you, when you're at the top. So you think that's where it's all the growth's at is lifting it up towards exactly. your, your shoulders. And obviously there, there's some benefit to that but then you want to look at the lowering right to, yeah. to build muscle or or to have when control the muscles and, lengthening under yeah, load under load right yeah. so if you've got that band pulling that down under load pulling it down back towards your body you then create that tension in your muscles to resist like the speed to resist the speed right. and you're almost so you can allow you can kind of bring that bar down it's not that you have to do it slowly you can do it a little bit quicker you could pull that band down and then as you power out of that you you've got that elastic less elastic energy sorry yeah, okay. in your muscles so we're not just allowing the weight to kind of drop this is something that i see if, if you go into a gym next time and look at everyone's lowering phase if you see beginners when they lower the weight it will typically look loose and it will almost like the weight's just kind of dropping to their and body do, it's do all about work. concentric yeah. and they drop concentric drop whereas if we go if you put bands on there and then you bring it down even if you do it quickly, you've got to then deaccelerate against that band, Otherwise which it's going to creates go too tension. Quick. It's going to go yeah. too quick and yeah. pull straight into you, and then you can accelerate. Okay, so it really helps with that that power development. Okay, so th- there is applicability of band, uh, of bands specifically yep. for people getting started as well. This yeah. isn't this isn't just an advance. Hey, you're an athlete, and we're trying to improve your power for sprinting necessarily mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. You can actually do it as a way to develop your form yeah in a movement so like how how to how to get how to get more power power from the bottom of your bench press yeah because if you've got more power in your bench press you can lift heavier if you lift exactly. heavier you're going to get stronger complements each other right okay so it's a good tool it's a, it's a good tool to have so um that's great now the next thing that we we spoke about as well so moving a bit more into kind of the athletic development so we looked at uh what's called uh gpp it's an acronym for general physical preparedness so jody franklin was talking about okay if you're training an athlete in the gym don't try and train the athlete in the gym as if they're on the field so you can't recreate their sport in the gym by nature sport is too chaotic and unpredictable mm. standing on a bosu board and bicycles no matter how much it looks like that sport, it's not really going to have much carryover. It's pro- you, you, you can do better things, right? Yeah. You get more bang for your buck. So we, we need to just, look at... Just on that, did, was, he, was he slating the Bosa ball? No, well... Because I know he, Paul Check, for example, he basically invented the Bosa ball and like how you can use it within the gym and mm-hmm. instability and all that kind of stuff. Is is Joe, Joe DeFranco no. kind of pissing over that? Going, no, that's, no. That's not relevant? Well, it, it is if you're using it for the wrong reasons. But if you're using it for the right reasons, like anything, um, it has its time and place. Uh, as an example, like like machines, right? Machines, I used to slate machines. I'm like, oh, they're in a fixed position and they're bad for your joints and all that. But machines mechanically have their place in a gym, yeah. right? They, they can create tension where you want it, and exactly. You know, so they have it on place. But if I'm trying to develop doing a bicep curl with 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 a machine, I think in some ways is puts you in position. Is in a bit you get yeah. constant tension throughout the full range of motion if you if you load it right. Yeah. Whereas when you're doing a bicep curl, there's there's a period of time when the weight kind of disappears. Yeah. Right through gravity and where it's placed relevant to the the lever. Exactly. Yeah. So it allows you. So everything has its its place, right? But 
what happens is that a lot of people go, okay, well, you're a speed skater, so I'm going to get you to balance on one leg and I'm going to get you to balance on this BOSU ball and try and do bicep curls mm. because you're a speed skater, right? But where what, where we could really, or, or hang, actually, let me go back a little bit more. So if you've got a power athlete, if so, if there's an athlete that really needs power for their sport, if they're, if they're an NFL player and they need to accelerate. push someone off and accelerate, yeah. they need that power. If I got them doing a lot of um, power-based plyometrics in the gym, so if I got them just jumping over hurdles and jumping onto boxes and jumping here and jumping left and right, yes, somewhat specific to, to what they do, but if I don't ever train the non-specific stuff, which is get them strong in their back squat, get their Bulgarian split squat um, strong, you know, bench press, deadlift, it doesn't have to be those exercises, but just building their core strength that doesn't actually relate to the sport, that will give them the best overall increase in performance for their sport. Does that make sense? So I'm not specifically so trying to mimic. purely just try to do box jumps and... and um, Some sort of plyometric. The, the, you know, the, when they do like long jump, what do they call it in America? Like, uh, what do you mean? Like pole vaulting or... No, no, no. When they just do it, uh, see how far they can jump. What oh, like broad it? jump. Or, broad jump. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if, jump. if you were just doing that, yep. there, there, there's, there's, there's a limit to the practice that can come mm-hmm. with just doing that movement. If you want to actually increase your your jump or your height, your, 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 your height of the jump, actually developing the muscle is also going to be a beneficial, non-specific way of improving your performance. Yeah. And then taking it one step further, doing a broad jump isn't particularly specific to mm-hmm. running on a football pitch. Exactly. You don't see people necessarily do that, but there is there is some crossover. Yeah. Well, so if if I've got someone, so I've I trained a lot of people for the marathon and I won't I I haven't run a marathon. I I'm not a running coach. However, I can make them much better at running um or the carryover to running through doing stuff that I know, which is getting the foundation of strength training in the gym, getting them much stronger at their back squat, Bulgarian split squat. And I'm not trying to mimic or make it look like they're running. I'm just trying to get them stronger at those foundational basic human movements. And what are they called again? Non-specific. Yeah, so that's general physical preparedness. You're just preparing them through non-specific training. So you just build that good foundation of strength in the gym. Then you start moving over to the general specific GS. So general specific that's where we start looking at things like okay, prowler pushes. So if you're a rugby player, a prowler push will probably be, or a sled push will look a little bit more like your game on the rugby field, right? Yeah. So once we've done your, you know, yeah, your lifting and we've done the general preparedness, we then move to the the more specific stuff, which would be like a prowler push. You might be um, in a scrum. That's probably going to carry over to your scrum, right? Yeah. But I'm not necessarily trying to recreate that too much. It's kind of general specific. So it kind of looks like your scrum. What I'm doing is I'm just getting you to move in that direction. You're, you're, you're using similar you're, muscles. You're using similar yeah. muscles, similar movement planes um, to, to what carries over to the sport. And then you've got the specific preparedness. That's all sports specific. That's where you practice what you need to practice on the field. So if you want to get better at rugby, just get better at rugby. You want to get better at basketball? Get be- like, you know, throw throw um, 
do some um, throws. And if you want to pass better at rugby, pass, pass, pass. So leave that to kind of the the, the more Don't specializing. Don't recreate throwing a rugby ball in the gym. Rather than standing yeah. one leg on a BOSU ball, throwing a rugby ball to, yeah. to each other. Do yeah, you see what it. I mean? Yeah, and I they're do. missing all the other more important general stuff. Got it. Um, so this was a big part. And actually, this is something that I wasn't too sure about. I was like, how specific do I get with an athlete in the gym? Do I or don't I? Whereas now I'm like, okay, I now know that I still need to work the basic fundamental movements, which I would with anyone else. And then first. some general specific stuff that then some general somewhat specific mimics stuff. the movement, but yeah. it's not really, it's not trying to replicate their, their chaotic range no, movement yeah. they have, in, have on the field. All I'm trying to do is I think about some of the key things that they do quite often and how can I strengthen those movements? Yeah. Such because, as a proud push. Exactly. Because if I put some cones down, I say, and I and I get them to do like this coordinated like ladder drill with the cones, like you see, I don't know if you've seen the videos on Instagram, uh, you, with people yeah. really quick strength um, uh, footwork. There's got to be some applicability to that, right? The, the the problem with that is that it's that's predictable. Now, as Joe Durango is saying, he's like, on, on the pitch, it's not predictable. It's unpredictable. It's chaotic. So you're better off running towards, like if I lay out two cones left and right, and you run towards me and I say, you run towards me and you're running, running, running. And then I go, right. And, I, and I'm facing him as the coach. And I say, right. He's got to very quickly then um, translate what I've said and then turn and move. That way it becomes unpredictable for him. He's running straight towards me. And then I say, right. And he's got to then quickly turn and, and change but direction. But when you see a kind of ladder or cone set up in front of you, you know what's coming. Yeah. You, 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 you've got the kind of you, mentally you're aware of what your body needs to do. You just need to do it faster. But yeah. that's not how sport works. No, exactly. Yeah. Another good way of doing it. So you could put some cones down and you could say, so as a coach, you could say what, so that that cone is one, that cone is two, that cone is three, that cone is four and so on. And then when they are in the middle, they could say run towards a direction and you could say cone four. two plus two and they have to run to the cone, uh, to cone four, right? Bloody hell, so that's taxing. You've got, exactly. <laughs> and that's because you're under pressure. You're yes. having to think and you're having to unpredictably change direction. Psychological part of sport is massive, right? Yeah. The ability to think under pressure is important. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that, that's where it's a little bit more specific, right? And that carries over quite well. So rather than just kind of throwing a rugby ball, you know, with one leg on a baseball. I like that. Do you see what I mean? I like so, that, yeah. I think you definitely be able to leverage that, right? In terms yeah. of how you, you engage with people that are in any athletic endeavor and yeah. trying to think how can I help you without trying to replicate what you do yeah, in my gym exactly so let's touch on the last thing that i know that you, you spoke about because i find this quite interesting as a topic which is speed and trying to improve your speed as yeah. a, as an individual most sport not all but most sport has a an element of speed that's important mm -hmm. right you know whether it's tennis whether it's you know soccer whether it's american football basketball you know you just go across most of the sports speed generally has an important part yeah. running obviously massive um I, I've seen some of Joe DeFranco's stuff and obviously I've seen documentaries on Usain Bolt and stuff like that. And just looking at, you know, how they move, um, you know, their, their, their angle of their torso, their yeah. stride length, it's all quite fascinating and I'm not fast. So I just look at it and just go, yeah. Yeah. I can just imagine, but not actually yeah. understand. Talk to me a bit about strength, uh, sorry, trying to develop speed yeah. in the gym. How, how do you go about doing that? So, and, and I'm... I, by no means an expert in this. So when I went on the weekend, this was something I was just like so interested in because I was like, I haven't actually really um, done too much speed training myself um, with anyone. But um, 
what I learned from Joe DeFranco was pretty cool. I mean, first thing first is that you need to have that foundation of strength first to then obviously to work from. So you don't just want to work on speed alone. You want to make sure obviously you've got good foundation of strength and then we can start looking at speed. Um, when you say good foundation of strength, there's some people that are, look quite skinny and not not look particularly muscular, but can be pretty fast. Now, I think when you do look at the 100 meter runners and the 200 meter runners, they generally do have quite a lot of muscle on them, generally yeah. like the fast, fast ones. But you can also find people that don't have a lot of muscle that are quite yeah. fast. Maybe younger people, mm-hmm. y- younger kids can be pretty fast and yeah. nippy. So when you talk about strength, are you talking about strength or are you talking about muscle size? No. So I'm talking about strength. So if let's use, let's say I, so I weigh about 70 kilograms. So if I weigh, which is, I think in America, about 140 pounds, I think. 150. Uh, no, sorry, odd, yeah. 150, sorry. Um, if I run around, if, if I run half a marathon and I can't, I can't split squat half my body weight, let's say, say for an example, or I can't back squat my body weight. And then I train for it and I can. So if I do half a marathon and I can't squat 70 kilograms, it's going to be much harder than when I can squat my body weight. So if I do a training cycle and I manage to get 70 kilograms on my back squat, I can now body weight squat on my shoulders, my own body weight. Mm. It's going to be much easier to carry my own body weight if I'm doing that half marathon because I've got that foundation of strength. Okay. It's not again specific. It's just me working on that general strength, which just means that when I'm running, I'm just stronger. Is is too much muscle a bad thing though, when it comes to speed? Because you don't see like true kind of like Arnold classic bodybuilders yeah. running super fast. Uh, typically you, 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 you look at the hundred meter physique and they're muscular, but yep. they're not massive. You know, they're, they're, they've got decent size, but they're not absolutely huge. The thing is you don't, you don't have to be strong to be fast, right? So you don't, you don't have to be, but, but strength will help you get faster, but you don't have to be strong, whatever that means to you. You have to be strong in order to be quick, but it's going to help. But what I would say with what you just said there is that if you're, you can't really have too much muscle because you're only going to be adapted to what you do. So if you're an endurance athlete that trains for speed, you're going to look like someone that trains for speed. Whereas if you get someone like Arnold, he's never trained for speed or, or, or when he was bodybuilding, he didn't train for speed. So therefore he didn't look like speed. He couldn't perform like speed. Does that but make you, sense? Yeah, but you, so, I'm, I'm just going to you know create two contrasts. And unfortunately, I don't I don't follow athletics enough to give you any kind of current names. But if you look at Usain Bolt, he is not particularly big. Like he's lanky, yeah. he's tall, um, but you wouldn't say he's like one of the the most muscular, muscularly defined individuals. He's got he's definitely got some mm-hmm. muscle on him. But you compare that to some of the other Americans, American sprinters, and they're pretty jacked. Yeah, you know they they've got broad, you know, big boulder shoulders, and you know got you know strong pecs. You can see their legs are you know bigger than bigger and more kind of compact and denser than Usain Bolt. And they're bloody fast. Like, you know, they're, yeah. they're splitting hairs in terms of how fast these two body types are. I guess the point I'm making is, you know, what was what was um, Joe DeFranco and his team's perspective on muscular development, like physical hypertrophy, and whether that's a good or a bad thing for speed and acceleration well so they didn't necessarily specifically say that that it was good or bad um like that that i think would 
come down to a lot of genetics. So you might get Usain Bolt training alongside these guys. I, I could imagine their training uh, day-to-day looks relatively similar with different yeah, methods. Probably, yeah. um, but what makes them look different is obviously their genetics and how they've responded to that training. But as you said there, like what carryover would adding more muscle have to to running? That now they didn't say they didn't actually kind of really cover this subject, but I know that they do do supplemental work in their programs that's focused on uh, imbalances, hypertrophy, just trying to put a little bit more muscle on your frame. But it's not it's not the aim isn't to just build size; it's to just work out any imbalances. If you're if you need more muscle for your sport, if you're NFL, you're probably going to need a little bit more muscle behind you and a little bit more mass. You need weight, right? Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you're a runner, yeah, you're going to want to do some hypertrophy work, but it, it's such a small portion of the program anyway that it's not purely focused on on building muscle. Just because you, you the main chunk of the program is going to be focused on movement quality, strength. Then there's going to be the supplemental work. So to separating strength and the that you know just the idea of building muscle. We, we need to separate that discussion now. We have to say like, you know, getting stronger for your body weight yeah. and relative to the effort that you're performing is more important than that being expressed through your muscles necessarily getting mm. like double the size. It's more about what's your strength output. Yeah, what what's the use of your muscle? And right. I guess that's, that's the important question really, isn't it? It's like, okay, you you, you might get someone that's a bit of anomaly and they're, they, genetically they, they hold a lot of muscle and they're quick. You know, it it just depends on how well you function. But if if I'm training, if if my training's too biased towards hypertrophy, it's probably going to take away from yeah. from training for that specific sport because there's only so much time in the day that you have, and what what can that time be best spent doing? So let me ask you this: Could could Joe DeFranco make me faster? Like, because I'm I'm not fast, you know. And I, <laughs> And and I know I'm not fast because I, I know when I run, yeah. I feel like I run in slow motion. It's just like, come <laughs> on, like, these legs should be able to move faster, <laughs> but they don't. And I'm not like terribly slow. I'm not just, it's not, it's not laughable, but I feel that my legs should move faster. They yeah, should yeah. be pedaling a lot quicker, but yeah. for whatever reason, it ain't happening. It just isn't yeah. happening. Could you take someone like me who clearly isn't gifted with speed and make me faster. Where do you reckon you'll take from shit to suck? Or I don't know. Yeah, we're def- definitely <laughs> starting at either shit or suck, and probably shit. <laughs> All right. Well, so, so what, what 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 were they talking about? Like, how so, do you, you know? I'm I'm older, so I don't have the benefit of just being this young little nipper that just doesn't have any mass, and I could just like, you know, you see young kids, they just just seem to twitch so much yep. faster than older people. People's ability to twitch and go, you know, that fast sudden movement just mm-hmm. seems to deteriorate as you age. At least that's been my perspective. Yeah. So. As you're aging, how do you maintain or, or gain speed? So one of the, one of the big things actually, because he, he touched on this, he was saying about as you get older, one of the, the biggest things that you can manipulate. Um, so you're not actually manipulating like the speed of your running, but but more the stride length. So Usain Bolt, he um, I, I can't remember the exact numbers on, but I know that he ran less. He took less steps when he won when he did the world record versus um, all the others that were on the track with him. Four or five strides less. So it's like less, four or five example. strides less, right. something like that, yeah, because his stride length was so long. Now, that's something that he was talking about when you're a bit older, you can you can work on. So instead of trying to move your legs faster, yeah. if you can increase the distance you take with every yeah. stride, 
you could be faster. Yeah. Just your legs aren't necessarily moving quicker. Yeah. And 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 one of the things you'd look at, uh, so mobility. If 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 you've got tight hip flexors, you're probably going to struggle to extend the hip and open up the hip to allow open the up leg. That yeah. To width leg. of the stride. Exactly. Right. So you can't get that stride. So having to look at technique and mobility because. We could drill the technique all day long, but if you haven't got, if you've got restriction there, mm. um, then, you know, it, there's only so much you're going to be able to do. So we're going to have to really work on hip flexes. We're going to have to look, work and then on strength, strength comes into that, right? To so lift your knee all the way up, almost to your like, yep. chest requires a lot of strength, not just mobility. Yeah. Hence the applicability exactly. of strength training. Mobility, right. strength, uh, your running mechanics. So he would work on your mechanics and how you're running. So let's say you're taking, if you're going to, off the spot, you're going to sprint as fast as you can. You're going to be down. So you can typically see it in the athletics when they're kneeling. They get themselves nice and low before on the, the blocks. on the blocks yeah. before the um the guy um till the signal tells them to go. And then you can see as they start, they go really low and they're like a jet taking off for the um runway. Yeah. They're really low. Their body angles is forwards. Their About shin, five degrees, yeah, and then they just exactly, start opening up. Their right? shins almost vertical or parallel to the floor, and as they take off, then they start to increase the um, height of their body, and then they start to come up more, more upright. And then it's mm. more about so to begin with, you're going to take more steps to get you going, but then as you become more upright, you're then going to increase your stride length, and then that's going to then dictate. It sounds like you're moving from power, like you're doing like a prowler curl. Yeah. Uh, the prowler push, is yeah. that what you call them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, where it's all about kind of force production. It's all about power. It's about yeah. pushing against resistance. And you're trying to like really, you know, really own that kind of muscle contraction yeah. that first, you know, 15, 20 yards. But then I guess if you want stride length, you need to bring your chest up yeah. so you can really maximize the, the range of your legs. Yeah, exactly. So it's your looking at your body angle, your arms, so with your arms, he talks about, because it's a whole kinetic chain, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think what he was saying when you start that it's driving, you're trying to punch with your, you're trying to drive your elbows back, right? So as you're running, you're trying to punch your elbows back as fast as you can. Right. Um, Not necessarily bring them forward, but more, it's more about the feeling of like punching them back. Yes, yeah, so you're right. driving them back and you're trying to drive your other arm forwards. Um, and that's going to help with your whole, mechanics one of the drills i'm sure it was jody that said it or it might be eric cressy someone i was listening to that said about the way I, I test this with the youngsters with the youth teams that put your hands behind your back and try and run fast you can't mm. well, you, you can but it's not as fast as what you can when no, you don't have your not. hands behind your back so my daughter so, runs yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> you gotta fix that yeah yeah take your hands from, <laughs> out from behind your back there you go fixed but yeah using your arms um, making sure that your tor torso angle is correct and then making sure that you're driving with those legs and long stride, getting your knees up. Um, and you can you can I, work on some of that in the gym, right? You, in terms of mobility and strength for you to be able to take that range. Yeah. So And then you, you can focus on the kind of accelerant part of the movement with like prowler pushes and stuff like that. So yeah. you can think about that could be applicable to getting out of the blocks. And now we're going to want to try and focus probably breathing as well and Yep. core strength to kind of keep everything tight yeah um I, I i saw one of his videos where he he spoke about because obviously he gets a lot of people that um you know college college players mm -hmm. and you know to be able to make the cut 
uh, they they do a combine today or something yeah. like that, and they've got to run a certain forty yard yeah. distance in a certain speed. Uh, like you can so see how naive I am <laughs> on on the American football and the whole process. But you have to run a certain speed to qualify, and it's like and X number of seconds, jump. like five yeah. seconds, whatever yeah. it is. And if you if you don't make the cut, you're not making a team. Yeah. So you know he could get some like insanely like capable footballers, but they're maybe. 0.2 or 0.3 of a second too mm-hmm. slow and they just can't seem to get faster. And they're pretty heavy guys already and they just can't seem to get that extra half a second they need to make the cut. And he talks about examples where he can he can he can give gift them that half a second yep. by working on technique. And yep. one of the things I saw was, you know, a guy who just run with his bum out just a little bit mm-hmm. and been able to get his bum tucked under and get yep. more upright, he was able to get the speed difference. And this is something that we practice with the prowler. So it, it's it's one of the difficult things with training speed is that he said you can't the difficulty is to train speed you can't really slow it down to train speed yeah yeah. you've got to you can't go in slow mode to work out how to move you have to go fast one of the ways that he's found that works is that using the prowler so you use the prowler you you push the prowler so if you don't know what prowler is it's it's kind of like the the sled it's like a sled but you're pushing it high handles you hold the handles and then you, you lean so a lot of people push the prowler really with lean their, into their body well they actually yeah because they what you typically see or i see in our gym is that people will kind of stick go their, vertical stick almost. their bum out and keep upright oh okay. he's actually like go lean into it so lean forwards just lean forwards and the prowler will so you automatically, normally see people upright pushing yeah really upright pushing and your that my means, instinct when i push those is to go almost like like 30 degrees from the floor yeah, and just like be that angle. You, yeah, naturally that's what you should do, right? But right. but typically you're kind of too upright and your feet are beneath you, right? You need to get your feet planted Behind. directly in. So let me kind of paint a picture. Imagine hold the, the prowler with your mm-hmm. hands and then if you lean forwards and let your body drop forwards and like you're saying, sort of 30 degree angle or so, if you lean forwards... And then tuck your bum under slightly so you don't have your bum sticking in the air. Like duck bum, yeah. Yeah, if you push that, the prowler is going to move without even stepping, first yeah. of all. So already that's moving that in the right direction. So you stick your bum down, you've got a nice straight line. And then what you want to do is you want to punch your knee forwards. You want to punch with your knee and then get your foot under you and push and drive like that, okay? That's how we're looking at, um, at running. So one of the ways that he's looking at working on speed without having to affect because when you're doing speed it's hard to shout cues at people when they're running because you mm. can't you can't think you can't process trying, all of that when you're process. trying to go as fast as you can yeah. exactly so it's all about simple cues but yeah he uses a prowler to get the bum under get your bum tucked right so even though you're, you're at that angle you're not upright running you're you're yeah. definitely pretty angled as you're pushing the prowler yeah. and that and that's he like wants, the you, he wants right? you to tuck your pelvis in then we'll tuck your butt in even yeah. though you're at that angle so you've got that nice straight right. line so because if you think about it as well you're structurally you're strong yeah, you're not yeah, leaking yeah. your power you're not bums not in the air you've got that hip extension so you drive that hip hip extension nice. punch with the knee and then that's one of the ways and that as you're taking off for your sprint that's kind of the angle you want obviously your body comes upright but you're still leading you're punching with the knee and your, your hips are under your body, your not behind your body. your body. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was super interesting. Nice. Really interesting. You gotta see if you can make me run faster. So see if you can actually 
use these skills in a well in actually, a real world. I, I want to go and do some bit of speed training um, down down a local park or something. So someday we should you go should. and do some of these. And you'll see just how slow just, I am, man. To see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> this has been do it for a laugh. It's been super interesting, man. I think I think that covers it. I mean, we've been talking for quite a while. Was there anything else that you feel that you know you wanted to impart that we haven't spoken about? No, I just hope that any anyone that's listening that obviously it's quite a difficult subject to cover. Yeah. Because uh, a lot of it was practical in the day, but I hope that obviously we, there's some takeaway points there. Um, and it's just looking at some of those over theming sort of overarching principles that you can take from this conversation that mm. you can carry over to whether you're uh, an athlete or you just generally train in the gym so yeah and and i think i think the applicability of this discussion for everyone um is is that we need we need to just be more conscious of how we move and how we breathe because yeah whether you're you're in the gym training for weight loss you're training for you know muscle growth or you're just training because you want to be a bit healthier a bit fitter just be a little bit more well understanding the the state of your current body mechanics and the control you have over your movement and your breathing should be fundamental i mean it should be important everyone should care about that because mm-hmm. the you know the, the crossover of being able to move well freely under load and breathe well well i mean it just affects everything in your life yeah. doesn't it so whilst it's unse- it's not sexy it, it, you know you're not talking specifically help me lose another five pounds in 10 days yeah and you're not specifically talking about muscle growth i know some people could probably just tune out and go this is not relevant if you could tell me how to put you know 10 percent of extra muscle on over the next year now i'm listening but you're not making those claims instead you're saying hey whether you're an athlete or just an average joe there's there is a sizable benefit Mm -hmm. to your function your performance and your health if you can use your body well yeah and it sounds like joe defranco focuses on that mostly yeah. use your body well and then we can get you on the field and you can perform better exactly. then we can get you building muscle better because you're in control of your joints and your muscles and therefore you can get stronger contractions and hold the eccentric better and if you can breathe well hey then i've just managed i'm, I'm giving you a coping mechanism for life mm-hmm. definitely that's it perfect man well perfect. Summed up. Cool, man. Well, um, thanks for today. Um, I'll let you get back to your certification homework tonight. Yeah. So you've got to post some some videos, don't you? Yeah, programming to do. Fantastic. Cool. And guys, um, as always, Adaptation is all about providing you with the tools and expert knowledge to help you improve and optimize your strength, health, and mindset inside and out. So until next time, guys, I'll let you crack on and be your best. Thanks, guys. Yes, that was a great episode. Now look, I'm no athlete, but I can see how everything we just said has so much applicability to my life. And I hope you agree, there's some takeaways for you as well. Now look, we are so, so close to releasing the Be Your Best self-optimization journey. This has been a labor of love over the course of about a year and a half. And what is it? Well, it's a hundred day transformation program across the foundations of Be Your Best, which is mindset, nutrition, holistic, exercise, rest and recover, and physique. Now, I am really, really proud of what we've achieved. I think it is going to change people's lives for the better. It is everything I've learned codified into a hundred days of 
highly curated, well-researched, accessible and scalable information from just the right amount of information you need all the way through to deep dives. You pick your pace, you pick your depth and you change your life. I can't wait for this to release. If you go to adaptation.io, you'll see a notify button. Click onto that. You'll be notified as soon as this comes out. And we are talking another week or two max. So it will definitely be available in December. Anyway, that's enough of my self-promotion. I'm going to let you get back to your day. Have a fantastic one and be your best. If you enjoy this show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps. And of course, recommend us to any friends or family who you think might enjoy the show. Feel free to get in touch with us via our website, adaptnation.io, or your favorite social media channel. This has been Adapt Nation. Till next time, thanks for listening.